Welcome to The Rock's Podcast. The book of Acts picks up right where the four Gospels leave off. The risen Christ commissioned his disciples to go into all the world and preach the good news. Acts tells us exactly how that happened, how the soul-saving message of the Gospel spread throughout the entire Roman Empire in less than 30 years. Through enormous obstacles and without many resources, proven leadership, or modern technologies, these early Christians turned the world upside down because they had the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. This is their story. Let's join Pastor Ross with our verse-by-verse study through this amazing book. All right, it is that time to dig into the Word of God and have our minds renewed and our souls refreshed by the living, breathing Word of God. Amen? Amen? All right, let's go to the Lord and ask His blessing. Father God, here in picking up in Acts chapter 12 with this uh, beautiful, miraculous intervention a rescue, deliverance from jail. You've come to set the captive free, quite literally in this case. Father, give us uh, hearts that can hear your still small voice, speak words of encouragement to all of us who from time to time get ourselves captive and uh, feel the shackles within. Let us pay attention for how you work your rescue and set our hearts free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It was in 1962 that most infamous of all prison escapes happened. Uh, The most interesting part of it is it was the most secure prison in all the world. And maybe you know which I'm talking about. It's pretty famous here. Slide. Wait for it. It's There it is. You recognize that place? It's called Alcatraz. It's been up and running for many years. It's no longer running, obviously, but it was uh, pretty active back in its day, holding notorious criminals ever since the Civil War. Ideal place for a prison, right? In the middle of uh, San Francisco Bay on a lonely island, surrounded by rugged rocks and a strong current, the Pacific Ocean there. Uh, They liked to, to, their PR was they had reinforced iron bars on top of being an island there, uh, strategically positioned guard towers, and a dozen checks a day on those prisoners. It was considered, quote, escape proof. That is until three inmates did just that. You've seen the movie, right? Uh, After months of preparation on a fateful night, there uh, they set their plan in motion. It was kind of amazing. They left paper mache heads in their beds. They squeezed through tiny little vents. They shimmied up the pipes up to the roof and then slid down the smokestack, jumped into their homemade life raft, which they constructed out of 50 stolen raincoats. That's pretty amazing. Where there's a will, there's a way. And off they went into the night, totally undetected by any of the prison security system. 
Well, there's a similar thing going on here in Acts chapter 12. And another famous prison break, uh, this time of the biblical kind. Uh, a man named Peter, our beloved apostle, he is going to get busted out of what was considered an escape-proof jail cell, uh, as we're going to see there in Jerusalem. And so uh, now, in this case, the, the notorious felon is actually innocent. And uh, so uh, you don't have to feel bad about rooting for the so-called bad guy because he's not really a bad guy. But, you know, when you're watching some movies, you start to think, well, wait a second here. I'm rooting for the bad guys in the story. Uh, no worries. In this story, you can root for him. And not only him, but his accomplices. He's got a friend in high places who's pulling some strings. He sent one of his undercover agents, an angel, uh, to set this captive one free. And so as I said in my prayer, this is why Jesus came, uh, to set the captives free. And obviously we're speaking spiritually here. Uh, Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, I came to heal the brokenhearted and set the prisoner free. He's talking about our hearts imprisoned by our own tyrannical sinful nature and uh, all kinds of uh, brokenness and problems. Uh, but God is mindful of that and he envisions our hearts to be a place of peace, that we would be free, that he who the sun sets free is free indeed. That's the whole point. So there are some uh, valuable key truths in this literal physical uh, escape here and deliverance. Uh, but I think if we pay attention, God is going to speak to our hearts as well about insights and truths that really help us cooperate with the saving work that he's doing today in the midst right here. Because there are, are all of us need saving and rescuing in uh, a bunch of different ways. And uh, he's here to do that. So we need to be paying attention as we're reading this to what he's saying to us. So the story is not entitled Escape from Alcatraz. It's entitled The Escape from King Herod's Clutches. Verse 1, chapter 12. It was about this time, the time when Agabus stood up and prophesied a, a famine to come and Paul and Barnabas were bringing an offering to Jerusalem and the first Gentile church was being established. About this time, King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church there in Jerusalem. There's a remnant church. Most of the church had fled for their lives, but there's always a remnant, right? And so those remnant were experiencing fierce persecution. And this Herod had James, the brother of John, Peter, James, and John James, put to death with the sword, a.k.a. beheaded. Verse 3 when he saw that that made everybody happy, pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. Same intentions. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread is Passover. Unleavened Bread spreads out a week, and so it culminates with Passover, our Easter, and our Good Friday. And so we'll pause there and start to talk uh, about this, uh, the setup for the great deliverance, right? The true villain, really, and the one who should have been locked up in the first place is the corrupt King Herod. 
He wants really uh, to um, catch Peter now and uh, kill him. Uh, He's got a date scheduled on the calendar to do just that. And without a miracle, uh, Peter is dead man walking. About this Herod, let's get the Herod problem out of the way. There are five Herods that you've read about in the Bible. They're not all the same Herod. Uh, Let me show you. This is the absolute easiest way to remember them. You could preach a sermon on each one. But here's just for your, your mind. Herod the Great's the Christmas story, Herod, who orders the death of every boy under two years old. Uh, his grandson is Archelaus, uh, Je- who when uh, he came in, his son, I should say, uh, when Joseph came back from Egypt, with Mary and Jesus, who was about five years old at the time when they came back. They were afraid because of this uh, tyrant, Archelaus, and they ended up going to Nazareth, God's providential moving there. Herod Antipas, he's the bad dude. Uh, And these are cousins and uncles, and they're all related. It's a nasty uh, family. Um, And uh, he's the man who who orders that John be uh, beheaded there on his uh, wife's birthday party. And he is the one on Good Friday who interrogates Jesus. Jesus speaks not one word to him. And that's the Herod who put a purple robe on Jesus and mocked him. Now we have a Herod, Agrippa I, in this story, he's executed James, he's imprisoned Peter, and then, a spoiler alert, he's going to be struck down. And then another Herod will finish up the story in the book of Acts. He's famous for telling Paul, who's on trial, and Paul is preaching the gospel and giving his testimony, and he's famous for saying, wow, you've almost persuaded me to become a Christian, and that's him Acts chapter 26, just so you get your Herods uh, all straightened out there. Amen? That was Herod 101. All right, with that, uh, this Herod, he's a bad dude, and uh, he, he is intending to persecute, you see. Now that word in the Greek is a less common word. It means to purposely inflict pain on someone maliciously to vex in the King James English, to cause grief, to put you through the fire, to torment you, to victimize, to violate, to hunt you down, to hound you. And some of them, they would hound to their death, like James. And we see this, and it's so sad to see. John's brother, the, the, sons, of, the sons of thunder, Jesus nicknamed two brothers, James and John, they were so fiery. And that was their nickname. They were a team. And now uh, uh, James is no more. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And no worries about him. He's doing quite well. He's doing better than any of us today. He's in the presence of God. And he's been there for 2,000 years. And it's gone by like that. And he's going to be there forever and ever and ever. And by the way, James, he lost his life years earlier when he died to his old life. Jesus said, don't try to uh, save your life for yourself. That's the way to lose it. But lose yourself for the sake of God 
And you'll find out who you really are and you'll save your soul in the process. And so, uh, yeah, I, I like that these guys would face death with a lot of peace because their master said, hey, look, don't, don't fear the one who can just kill your body. Then after that, what can he do? You know, I always smile at that one. It's like the Lord saying, I'll tell you who to fear. Fear the one that after they chop your head off, then he determines where you spend eternity. Fear him, but don't fear the executioner of the body. You know, that's not the point of life. The point of life is where you're going forever. Be, be, be uh, eternally minded, heavenly minded. And so James drinks the cup of suffering as the first of the 12 to die. He shatters the illusion that the 12 were under some kind of special protection. But why do you suppose that he's the first to be removed from the playing field? I mean, the, the Lord had a lot of choices there. He could have let any of them be caught, as it were, in God's sovereign uh, providential ways, right? I mean, there's a guy named Thaddeus. He's a disciple. He doesn't say one word and doesn't do one thing. We know nothing about him. You know what we know? Look him up. Thaddeus, a disciple, period. That's all you know. And so maybe in a moment of grief, Mrs. James or James Jr. or John, James' brother, might be thinking, why James? He's 30 got so much life ahead of him. I have all the dis- disciples. Why him? I mean, he's my brother. He, he shares everything in common with me. My only believing Christian brother. You see, these are the questions there that are unanswerable, that are the basis for what we call the dark night of the soul, where there's no answer except faith that says, trust God, he's good. And he always, before he allows anything, he's factored in the good of everyone involved, even the bad guys. And so that's what, you know, by faith we walk and by faith we rest in God's goodness and we trust in his love. The old gospel song, we'll talk it over in the by and by, uh, the first verse goes, those shadows deepen and my heart bleeds. I will not question the way he leads This side of heaven we know in part. I will not question a broken heart. We'll talk it over in the by and by. We'll talk it over, my Lord and I. I'll ask the reasons and he'll tell me why when we talk it over in the great by and by. Like C.S. Lewis, and I've told you this a lot of times, the first words in heaven, your first two words are going to be, of course, to a lot of things. Because when we awake, in his likeness, we will be like him. Wow. And so we'll understand. We'll know as we are fully known. That's what the Bible says. Yeah, so we look forward to that. And it seems like that day is coming to a neighborhood near you uh, soon. <laughs> Amen. And so Herod, this guy, he's power hungry. Uh, the scholars are saying all he cared about was advancing his political career, as you see. And so when he randomly persecuted James to death 
and he got such a, <laughs> a hit on his social media. You know, 1,000 new subscribers and 10,000 likes. He's like, whoa, if I can get 10,000 thumbs up for killing James, how many likes can I get for killing the ringleader of it all, number one guy, Peter. And so that's what he's doing. He's a crafty politician. I don't know if you know any like that. But there are, are many politicians who are willing to persecute Christians slash conservatives if it makes them more politically popular. That's this guy. That's this guy. That's what he's all about. He wants to boost his popularity in the polls, so he orders his henchmen to go after one of the ringleaders. James got called, and when he got lauded as a reformer, because he knew most of the Jews despised those who traded their Judaism for Jesus. They were, they were considered traitors to become a Christian as a Jew, you see, and so he came in and said, you know, that cult, I'll deal with them. And so uh, he wants five-star review to be sent to Caesar on his behalf. And this is the way he thinks he's going to get it. Verse 4. After arresting Peter, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. That's 16 guys for one man. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the holidays. So Peter, Passover, uh, P- Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying, that's a very hot, fiery word, praying to God for him the night before Herod was to bring him to trial. The night, he's got, this is your, the last night of his life. What's he doing? Peter was asleep sleeping peacefully between two soldiers bound with two chains. And sentries stood guard at the entrance. Got it. Chained to two guys and two guys at the door. Four squads every three hours. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck, it's a violent word, to beat. He just let him have it, I guess. He was really sawing some logs there. Uh, Yeah, he hits him on the side and says, quick, get up. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. That's how he does it. God just, just wills it. He doesn't even have to say it. He didn't have to touch him, you know. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals. You're going to need them. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel said, so yeah, I'll repeat this. Two things that you can count on in this life. Adversity in the world and help from on high. This is our lot in life. Jesus told us. He said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. The word he uses is to squeeze you. You're going to have it. It's going to come. You're light in a dark world. You're truth tellers to a world that hates God's absolute truth. How can you expect anything else. But he says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world and I overcome in you. It's a shared victory. And so, yeah, so I, I, I like this. And, and since we're transitioning from the death of James to the imprisonment of Peter, James, he doesn't deliver. He delivers him through death. And, and he, James glorifies God through death. Peter's going to glorify God through life. 
You see, look at Philippians chapter one to help us with this because one guy's dead and the other guy's going to have the positive prayers affirmed and answered. Okay, well, Paul speaking, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I've been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor and praise to Christ whether I live or whether I die, whether he lets me live or whether I get put to death. I want to glorify God whether I live or whether I die. And James died glorifying God. Here's what church historian Eusebius wrote. He writes that the soldier who was guarding James as James gave his last testimony before a judge The soldier was so moved by his demeanor and his words that he gave his life to Christ and proclaimed Christ and said, I'm willing to die with this man. And the judge said, so be it. And they both went off to be executed. Yeah. We don't go out without glorifying God. That's what we do. And whether it's life, oh, we all want the other. We all want to be delivered <laughs> by life, right? And uh, But God knows, you know, and so that's what's going on. Why the overkill with 16 guys and uh, more than uh, 30 eyeballs on Peter? Well, it's happened before. It was 10 years ago. But Herod knows. Didn't we arrest them? And wasn't there a rumor that an angel came? And we know it was an inside job. But they all said it was an angel. Well, that's never going to happen again. And nobody's going to be dozing off here because we've got 16 guys. They'll all be taking turns. He'll be chained to two. Now, if there is an inside job, somebody will tell on him. Somebody will inform, hey, man, there's an inside job. Because there's 16 guys. You can't pay off all 16 guys. So so he's like, look, I'm not going to be the politician who promised something and then doesn't deliver. Because nobody likes them. Amen. Um, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Moving on, people. You're so. Yeah. So, so there they are in the fortress of Antonia. I like little pictures. Can I show you where they are? They're by, they're by the, the. There's the temple, and to your right, the 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 the, the right corner there, the four towers there. That's where Jesus was tried as well and um, where Pilate was and where the Romans hung out and there's jails in there and that's where he is. And so, yeah, um, they recall back in the day when the disciples were in the temple courts teaching, they got uh, hauled off into that fortress and that's the fortress, the same fortress, the same cell that an angel visited and sprung him uh, sprung them out and they went back from jail <laughs> in the morning they went to find them and the guys Peter, James and John are all teaching back where they had been arrested so he's like no thank you that's not going to happen again and he gets his 16 guys and so you know <laughs> both hands you never chained both of the hands uh, but Peter's uh, there And I don't know, I have written down here, did one of the Romans say, not even God could bust this guy out of this place? And I know God loves to hear stuff like that. So yeah, truth be told, 
a thousand guards, 10,000 iron gates, bring it. There is no counsel, no power, no plan, no wisdom that can prevail against the Lord to quote the Bible. No plan of God's can be thwarted. I tell you, every time I think of that scripture, I think of this illustration that I've used many times since Abbasa pulled the stop sign and some vandal spray painted under the word stop God. Stop God. And it used to provide me such entertainment there every time I passed it to go to work in the morning there in Sebastopol when we lived out there. I would just laugh and pray for that guy or gal who spray painted that silly. You can't stop God. How can you stop God? If God wants Peter out of prison, what you going to do? You see, and he does want him out. So Now, Herod wants to kill Peter after the holidays for political expediency again. The Jews didn't like to kill anybody during the festivities. It kind of, you know, ruined all their fun, you know. So wait until Thanksgiving and Christmas is over, then kill the guy. You know, so he says, you know what, because I care about you Jews, I could kill him now, but because I love and appreciate your Jewish sensibilities. I'm going to wait till after Easter. Okay. And so that's what he's up to there. The night before Herod is licking his chops, waiting for his PR boost to happen. You know, when he kills Peter and Peter, what kind of state of mind is he in? He's sound asleep. One writer said, Peter is so sound asleep because his conscience is clean and his heart is right before God. And when that's the case, man, you can lie down, your head hits the pillow, and you know there's nothing between you and the Savior. That's a good feeling that his blood has washed away every single ping to your conscience, every single possible regret looking in the rearview mirror covered over. That's the word atonement. It means to cover. They're covered. That's why we can sleep at night. Oh my word, imagine if none of it was covered and that everything was going to be laid bare like for unbelievers, every thought, every word, every sin, every vile deed, every wrong motivation, every bad attitude, it's all going to be out there. Doesn't have to be. It can be covered. It's just a change of heart and trust in him. And so he's fast asleep. He's struck with force by the angel who wakes him up. Right? And, and, and another reason why Peter is not up and upset, because Peter is a disciple, and the word disciple means learner. He's learned. And what good would it be to be a learner if you're not learning? So here's what he does. He's thinking back. I remember being on the storm-tossed sea, and I'm like, Jesus, we're all going to drown. And Jesus called me little man faith. That's what it means there in the Greek. Oh, you of little faith, little man faith. Come on, man. And so he's been in danger, and he's...
deliverer. But with the new trial, all the faith and all the memory of all God's former deliverances out the window. We've got to start from scratch. There are Christians like that, that God has to start from scratch. They've been saved 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And with every new challenge, we've got to start from scratch and start building it back and back and back. You know, they taught us in seminary, when you're counseling, if you're counseling marriages or if you're counseling somebody who's got some issues, and by the third time, they're still talking as if one, two, and three didn't happen, then you have to let them go. Because you're, you're not a good steward of anybody's time. So you, you can't keep being a disciple if you're not a disciple, if you're not learning, right? And so he's learning, and so he's pressed the button. I'm going straight to, to rest. God, you got this out like a light. How do you, I don't even know how you do that. Between two killed killing machines, I'm trying to say there. So Peter is sleeping and the church is praying. David Guzik said in this contest, Herod had his armed soldiers and the authority of the emperor he served, but the church had the power of prayer and the authority of the name of the Son of God. The outcome would soon be seen and easily decided. I love that. So the praying that they're doing isn't a quick little casual prayer uh, over a lunchtime sandwich. Um, It's like getting a hold of God. I told first service that you know one time my kids were trying to get a hold of me uh, one of them and trying to talk to me and I was either watching TV or typing on something and and he's like and he grabbed my face like this and he said dad look at me right here and he goes this is important and I was like wow the church took their father's face and said look at us this is important we're not sleeping. We should be in our beds asleep. We didn't eat today. Because something is more important than us getting our food and our water. Look at us. That was the kind of prayer, you know, one uh, person told me. I, was, I had a bad reaction to the chemotherapy uh, in my bone marrow transplant 20 years ago. And it was very painful. And word got out to a certain family. They had six kids and uh, lived in Petaluma. And it's moving, you know. They, they said, uh, they found out about the, the side effect that I was having and they prayed. And she said, until steam could be seen coming off of our rooftop. And that image always, and that's what's happening at the upper room. Steam is going from the rooftop, rising into the heavens, and lambasting the throne of grace on behalf of this well-loved pastor slash uh, preacher slash apostle here. And so, yeah. Um, so suddenly, and that's how the answer comes. And, and I like to tell you, verse 7, listen, there's, you don't see any gradual good news coming. There's no encouragement here. Only things are getting worse and worse and worse and hotter and hotter and hotter and more scary, more scary, more scary, and then suddenly, boom. That's how God often does it. So just wait. You who are waiting and things aren't looking good, and you're like, where are you, God? He's like, I'm on my way. 
And when it happens, it's going to be like a wink. It's going to be like a phone call. It's going to be like a knock at the front door if I don't give uh, the, the next paragraph away too much there. So the light shines there. The angel wakes him up, chains drop off, you know, and quick, Peter, time to rise and shine, get dressed, put on your shoes, let's go for a walk, follow me. Now, uh, have you noticed that the angel's very abrupt? He comes in, boom, wakes him up, no good morning, nothing, you know, and when he leaves him, he's not going to say goodbye. He's very curt and short and like boom, 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 and he's like, hurry, hurry, quick, man. Why? He's not afraid of the angels. He's not afraid of the guards, right? He's not afraid of the guards. What he is saying is that the work of God is not procrastination. When God puts something on our hearts, when God wants us to move, he wants us to move. It's important. That's the point there. Verses 9 through 11 Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. (laughs) He thought he was dreaming. He thought he was dreaming. Verse 10. They passed the first and second guards, man, and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. uh, The word automata, automata in the Greek. And they went through it. When they had walked the length of about a block, suddenly the angel left him, just as quickly as suddenly he appeared. Then Peter came to himself and said, wait a second here. Without a doubt, the Lord has sent his angel. That was an angel. He rescued me. I'm out. I'm on the street. I'm rescued from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating in the morning his death. You know, relentless persecution gives way to divine deliverance, which now leads the recipient of God's favor a bit stunned. And that happens when God just goes over the top and does some wonderful blessing for us. In Psalm 126, it says, when God brought us back into the land of Israel, we were like men who had dreamed. In other words, it was like a dream come true. And sometimes we're taken aback by the goodness and the wow of God. Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do abundantly more, exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or think. So go up to your highest expectation and your request, and then he goes, God could do so much more than that. And when he does, we're just like Peter, like, whoa, whoa, wait a second, is this really even happening? When we wanted to start a church, and, and it was just a thought in my head, and I was on disability from recovering from the bone. I was only eight months out from the bone marrow transplant. I wasn't fully even recovered. No money on disability. And it was like, let's start a church, start a church, start a church. And that Sunday, the, the whole place was packed. And I was like, what, what is happening here? And now after 20 years, you know, and up and running with, with 10 people on full-time staff, it's like, Wow, it's like, pinch me, am I dreaming? And then you come to yourself, wow, God sent his grace. 
and he has done a work and and that's how it is in all of our lives and so peter thinks he's having a great dream and wouldn't it, i mean it would be perfect he's like of course i'm dreaming this you know <laughs> the the chains drop the angels leading the way the gates open all by themselves but verse 11 one block out and he's glad he put on his coat because it's chilly out there the air is just uh, kind of sobering him up to the reality of the situation and so uh, he turns to get a closer look to her and says, hey, he looks up, you know, and the guy's gone. And then suddenly he's standing there in the middle of the street. I like to picture things. I would love to see the movie when we get to heaven. I want to see this all lay out there. And I could just see Peter go, oh, oh, you know, that stunned look on his face. And this is no dream. This is really happening. And so, and then he's gone. And then common sense is supposed to take over and it does Uh, but notice that the angel doesn't say hey man don't forget to write a book I met an angel and everything he told me you know or do like a little make a video of yourself it'll go viral man no he doesn't do that and for good reason okay let's finish up Peter's out of prison and the angel's back in heaven and he's standing there when it dawns on him. He goes to the house of Mary, who's the mother of John Mark. She may be related to Mary, our Mary, that we think of with Jesus' mom, through his human side anyway. Uh, John Mark is there, uh, where many people gathered there, probably the upper room. Peter knocks at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda, it means oh, it can be translated Rose or Rosie, Uh, came to answer the door. (laughs) When she recognized Peter's voice, she got so overwhelmed with joy, she runs back without opening the door and exclaims, hey, Peter's outside. You're out of your mind, Rosie. The word is to be insane or mad. You're mad, talking like a mad young lady. When she kept insisting, no, he's out there, no, he's out there, They said, well, it must be his angel. We'll compromise a little bit here. I'll explain that. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were filled with faith and praise to God. And they just knew it, like, aha, just as we were praying. Nope. They were astonished. It means to have the wind knocked out of you. Peter motioned with his hand, and eyewitness accounts in the Bible. That's only an eyewitness would tell you that, you know. Emotions with his hands because he knows they don't expect me and there's going to be an outburst and that's not good in the middle of the night. So he motions for them to be quiet and described how the Lord brought him out of prison. He tells the angel story and tell James is Jesus' half-brother who is pastor, head elder over the Jerusalem church And the brothers, the elders, the rest of the disciples, Barnabas and the elders there, he said, he said, and then he left for another place. He went into hiding and nobody knows where that is except God. All right, a happy answer to prayer. And I like to remind us all, we like to say, hey, did you? Well, we only use that when he answers in a a positive way the way that we wanted him to answer. But truth be told, he always answers every prayer. He is not the God who ignores us. 
He's the God, quote, who hears our prayers and answers them. I'm quoting the Bible. He doesn't take delight in hiding his face or stopping up his ears. So every prayer you've ever prayed in your life has been answered with either yes, no, or you don't know what you're asking. (laughs) Or wait. Right? But he's always... um, He's always answering us for sure. This one is one of those happy ones with three exclamation points. Yes. So Peter makes haste. He goes to the upper room. And notice here that he's a real man. He's a man. He's a godly guy. You know, he could be running for his life. I'm thinking about himself because his head's on the chopping block, quite literally. But no, he's thinking about the people who depend on me. They're in limbo. They don't know. They're upset. They need a word from me. They need to be encouraged. And I need to be encouraged by them. And where do you get encouragement when your heart is hurting and you got anxiety and cares? Your life is kind of upside down at the moment. You go to the people of God. You come here where you sit under the word and you praise him with his people and you share in the gifts and the callings of God's chosen ones. Man, yeah. So he goes there. He's not just thinking about himself. And uh, wonderful timing. So I just imagine they're praying. Okay, so imagine some of the things you would pray. Lord, we know you can do it. You've done it before. We pray that you deliver our Peter from the hands of the clutches of that evil Herod, right? Lord, somehow, somehow, just bring Peter, bring him out, God. We know, knock, 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 knock. He's he's there. But because, well, Rhoda's going to get overjoyed and she's going to leave him out there. And Peter's like, Rhoda, (laughs) Rhoda, no. And so he's out there in the cold, still knocking. And I just started thinking, how many answers to God's, to our prayers? Does God put on our doorstep knocking, saying, here I am. And we are just, we, we never believed while we were praying it that it would happen. So he's like, when are you going to get up and get to the thing you've been praying and praying and praying and it's been knocking and knocking and knocking and you're oblivious because you don't really believe that I can do the thing you're asking me to do. So from now on, you know, let us When you're praying that unbelievable prayer of like if this guy turned to the Lord or if my son came back to the faith or whatever it is, picture it. Why not? He says he can do it. Why not? Have the faith that that believes it's going to happen. Why not? Why not? And so wouldn't it have been cool if they're praying, God, do a miracle. God, we just pray for him. We're praying, we're praying, and praying. The steam's going up. And Peter's at the, and they hear a knock. And they're like, Peter? And they go out. We knew it. We were expecting it. Mm, No, astonished. And then they say, have you lost your mind? Well, he's out there. That's just not cool. Poor poor Rosie. It's like, what are you saying? Yeah, you know, and there's a little fight going on there. You call me crazy? Yeah, you are crazy, you know? Hey, we've been up all night. You're stressed out. You know, there's a a couch right over there, Rosie. Go lay down, you know? And so somebody goes over and sees it's true and lets them in, and they're, they're... astonished. And so 
Yeah, maybe it's his angel. Was there a compromise to say, okay, it can't be him, but maybe it's his ghost? Maybe they're saying that they think he's dead already. They, Jews believe that the, the spirit hangs around for three days before it goes one place or the other, which is not true. The second you depart your body, you have two options. You either ascend to the presence of the Lord or you descend to a place called Sheol or Hades where you wait in torment until the end of the age and then you're raised from the dead to stand before the great white throne, Revelation 20, where your deeds and the books are open and you are sentenced and judged. Those are the options. And once you depart, you depart. As I've said many times here, because it's very, very popular to think that mom and dad and whoever is around here somewhere. You depart, you depart. That's it. The only one who can hear you is God. And he designed it that way. And so, yeah, um, meanwhile, he's out there. They, they bring him in. And, and I, I love, they're astonished, but you know, their prayers were earnest, but their faith not so overwhelming. And, but God has made it so easy. He said a pinch. You just need a pinch. Now, if you had more than a pinch, you'd have more of a blessing in the sense you can enjoy more of life. People with just a pinch, you know, they say, you're crazy, you're crazy, you're crazy. They're not enjoying. You know, if you had a lot of faith, you're like, what? He's at the door? At least you have enough faith to go and listen to her and check it out. You see, in that regard, the more faith you have, the more peace you enjoy, the more opportunities, things like that. So may God increase our faith. And so, yeah. Um, and I, I just love these personal uh, things where you see the gestures and all of this. So uh, Peter's in and he tells the story. And, and, and then let's wrap up with two verses. Tells you the sad ending of the 16 dudes. In the morning, there was no small commotion. That's code for all hell broke loose. Uh, among the, if I can put it that way, sorry, uh, among, <laughs> among the soldiers as to what became of Peter. So you picture the, the four guys coming in with maybe a cup of coffee and they're talking their Roman talk and they're doing their thing and they see the other four guys like looking everywhere and the, the chains are like, you know, nothing on the end of them and they're, they're pale like ghosts, because they know we're dead. If he's gone, we're all dead. So they're looking, and they're, they're panicked. And so after Herod hears that he's not going to get his 10,000 thumbs up, you know, and people are going to say, what a failure. What a loser. You promised us Peter. Where is he? You can't even arrest him. You can't even keep a guy in your prison? He cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. So you add 16 murders to his already long tab that he will stand before God for. But here's the, and here's how we close up. The silver lining for these 16 guys who met their death. God knew that Peter wasn't going to die, but all of them were going to die. So he chained them to Peter for 167 hours straight you know this is the guy who wrote 1 Peter and 2 Peter. This is the Lord's right-hand man. And he chained them to him, not him to them. 
And so they heard Peter's life story and his speaking into their lives and hearts. And you know how merciful God is. He softened their hearts and gave them a hunger. And and they asked the right questions. And you know you're going to see some of those men in heaven as a result of Peter's hard time in prison. God used it to bring these men to faith. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your great love, your goodness. Lots of truths here, God. Just let the ones that are meant for us in particular, let them settle down deep within us to give us comfort and hope and direction in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.